here dropping in. Uh, I want to thank everybody who stopped in for the latest episode of The Teachers, which we just finished streaming. Uh, Thanks a lot for the support. We are continuing to grow that uh, podcast as a form, uh, as an informative mechanism for our community. And I'm excited about what Dr. Blanchard and I are doing with that. Uh, I am coming to you now on something of a more somber note, uh, something that I've actually been talking about now for years. Um, And uh, I think that we really and truly are going to have to at some point put our finger on it and give it the attention that is necessary. Uh, And... uh, Look, let's talk about it. Uh, Actress and director uh, Regina King, who just finished uh, an electrifying role on The Heart of They Fall and has done so much work uh, in Hollywood, literally grew up uh, as an actress. And so we've known her, we've become vicariously connected to her, lost her son today. Uh, well, it, it was confirmed today. I'm not sure if it would happen today, but it was confirmed today by her uh, publicist that her 26-year-old son um, committed suicide. Uh, that, tw- that number 26 is sort of kind of hitting me uh, because I had a friend who uh, came on with her husband and they found their 26-year-old son uh deceased from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head uh, back in August, being a University of Houston alum, um, was a very hard time for us because world-class sprinter and son of Olympic legend, uh, Leroy Burrell, Cameron Cameron Burrell, uh, also uh, took his life. And I've been talking about this long before any of these occurrences took place. Uh, We have a mental health crisis in the black community. Now, while it's not limited to young black men, it's definitely an issue with young black males. uh, And we need to be talking about why. Uh, What's scary to me as I study uh, trends in depression, as I study trends in suicide, um, the numbers among Blacks are on the rise and in certain areas spiking. What is really scary is the fact that for the first time uh, in whenever, maybe first time ever since statistics have been kept on this, Blacks are actually leading a statistical category uh, demographically. And that is 
children between the ages of five and 11. We literally now, uh, at least the last time I did uh, an evaluation of the available statistics, we're leading in that category. Young black children are taking their lives. Another area of concern are teenage boys and young black males. And, you know, there are a bunch of different reasons why this is happening. Uh, and I don't want to overwhelm you with everything, but I do want to create a forum uh, where we can talk about this. I do want to create a space. And I want to acknowledge there are some people out there. I know there are a couple of places in Houston where black men now have spaces where we come together and we talk and we share and we are able to move because those spaces have not historically been present. Um, we love to malign the black man. We love to talk about what he doesn't do right, how horrible he is. We love to talk about his violent tendencies. We love to talk about uh, his failure as a provider. We love to talk about all the things that black men don't do. But the thing is, there are a bunch of black men out there and we're trying real hard and we're doing everything we can to hold down our homes, hold down our communities, hold down and live up to an idea of what we think black manhood should be. And it comes at a cost. It comes at a toll. Uh, we are a target and have always been a target in this community, um, in this country. And with that being said, everything that we attempt to do has a toll to it because we, we, we're, we're not supposed to do it. And it comes at a price. It comes at a weighted price. And there will be those who will sit up and make the false postulation or assumption that someone taking their lives are weak. No, everybody has a breaking point. And if and for me, it's it's important to understand that with the right people around you, with the right conditioning and the right training, you can almost obliterate your breaking point. You can literally develop a strength that will stand up to anything. But that comes with development. That comes. You can't simply just turn boys loose. Expect them to develop in the man, especially if they have a natural desire to be something, and and expect them to be exposed to the pressures that are inherently uh, uh, pressed upon them, and respond to them. You can't expect them to have these feelings and these emotions, but not be able to articulate or express them or even openly admit them because then their manhood comes into question. Then their internal strength and fortitude comes to question. And so when you look at these things, and and, and I'm not uh, speculating on what uh, this young man, his, his name is Ian Alexander Jr., um, Regina King's son. I'm not speculating as to what was behind this or how he felt because I don't know him. I never talked to him. I haven't been able to read up on him, but I'm talking in general right now because what this is to me is a clarion call. When you have 26 year olds, you know, killing themselves, they haven't even really truly moved into full adulthood. They're just coming into male maturation and they're taking their lives and it's becoming an increasing trend and it's easy to put it off on old stereotypical ideologies of it being weakness and that's not the case you 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 have a mental load and the problem is black people in general have been carrying so much in this mental load that what we are seeing and and considering to be quote unquote 
natural behavior or cultural expressions are really truly the results of uh, years and years of unprocessed and unintegrated, non-integrated trauma. And it's bearing itself out in our decision-making. It's bearing us itself out in our behaviors and how we respond to stress and so much more. And we are going to have to create natural interventive processes to intervene and to help people. The problem is while black women will report uh, symptoms and signs and occurrences of depression, they rarely get treated for it. On the flip side, black men won't even report it. We're the most unlikely to report feeling depressed. Why? Because it's a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of weakness, but we've been told that. We're not supposed to cry. We're not supposed to express express vulnerability. We're not supposed to uh, say that we don't know what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to seek help because a black man stands on his own two feet. And I can go on and on and on. And there's no large groups of places where black men can go. You know, black women who are struggling with depression and, and domestic abuse and so many other places, they have a place to go. And rightfully so. Uh, and they need more resources. And I don't want uh, this to become a black man, black woman thing, because it's not. This is a black man suffering thing. And we aren't dealing with it well. Number one is we're not preparing boys early enough in life to cope with the emotional and mental and spiritual stress that simply comes with being a black man. Uh, a lot of us don't even want to acknowledge it. Uh, absolutely, I agree. Uh, Ms. M says, rich or poor, we all need confidants like Mr. Wallace to converse with. Condolences to Regina King. Absolutely. I think that's one of the things that we've got to start to impress upon the minds and hearts of young black males is it's okay to have somebody to talk to. It's okay to have somebody to confide in. It's okay to have somebody that you can turn into. I am an expert. I've been doing this for years and I have two people that I go to. If you don't learn how to decompress, eventually the pressure will pop, make you pop. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how much experience you have. You've got to have a release valve that you can let this stuff out or it becomes toxic. It starts to eat at you from the inside out. It starts to become more and more difficult to process, more and more difficult to cope with. And at some point, you got to understand the illogical logic that comes with suicide. Suicide is not a logical, when you think about it, suicide is not a logical behavior. It's nothing logical about it, but that becomes a point when it becomes logical to the person who is attempting to take their lives or takes their lives. And so what is it about this logic that we're missing? In this logic of suicide is the idea that I no longer have hope. It is the moment in your life in which you feel there's no chance of it getting better. It's never going to get any better than it is now. And I don't want to live the rest of my life like this or worse. I can't face it any longer. There are no options. 
There are no alternatives. There's no chance. It is the it, it is the apex of hopelessness. And it comes, and, and, and the thing is, you're going to have so many people who are going to say they didn't see it. And you're going to have sometimes people say, I knew he was depressed. I knew he was down. I knew he was struggling. I knew this, but I never thought. And because you never thought it because it doesn't make rational sense to you. Because even in your worst moments, you had hope. You had a belief, you had an idea of something's going to happen and something's going to get better. And so you sit up and you say, you know what? I'm going to get up in the morning. And I'm going to go do it again. I'm going to try. But for someone who is considering taking their lives, they don't see the option. They don't see a better tomorrow. They don't see uh, a presentation of hope something to hang on, something to hope for, something to believe in, something to stand on. And so they decide rather than live my life like that. You got to think 26 years old, just starting life, so much in front of them, so many possibilities, so many things that they can do. And you, you, in, 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 in the instance of the three people I'm talking about, I'm talking about a friend who I, I'm not going to call their name, but they're known and their son uh, committed suicide. We're talking about Cameron Burrell, who was an, in his own right an excellent sprinter, the son of a U of H legend and a track and field legend, a war, former world record holder, Leroy Burrell. So many things he could do with his life, so many places he can go. So many doors are just going to be open in that community of U of H and track and field solely because of his last name. So many things he could do, but for some reason, for whatever reason, and we don't know, we can't judge, we shouldn't judge, he didn't see it or whatever he was dealing with was so dark that it squeezed him so much that he couldn't deal with it. And the first thing we got to do is we got to take the stigma off of mental illness. We got to take the stigma off of depression for black men. We got to take the stigma off of seeking and needing and admitting that I'm struggling, admitting that I need help, admitting that I'm hurting. Black men are afraid to say we're hurting. We're already derided for so many things. The last thing we want to hear is how weak we are because we're sad or because we don't know how to deal with this perpetual sadness. We have a problem, and I've been telling you guys this for years. Um, I had a family come to me, and you probably heard about it, the young, bro young brother who had just received a full-ride scholarship to Georgia Tech, but his family, he was leaving behind a homeless mother and younger siblings. And his mother was going through a bunch of different things, and he went downstairs uh, they had finally got enough money to get a room that night. And he went downstairs to get a blanket for his mom out the car and went for a walk. And she was wondering where it was and she was looking for him. He went and stood in front of a train, 17 years old, 
what he couldn't deal with was the fact that he was going to be in a place where people were going to look out for him. He wasn't going to have to worry about what he was going to eat. He was going to a D1 school on a full-ride scholarship. He had a possibility of being a pro prospect in a few years. He was going to have answers, but in the meantime, he was leaving his mom and his siblings homeless, and he couldn't cope with the pressure of not being able to provide. Why is a 17-year-old even in that position? But why was he out there in that island alone where he had nowhere to turn? If this doesn't really push you, I don't know. I work with so many young black males that are in this place where they don't see how they fit. They are starting to recognize that this society doesn't make a room or place for them. Anything that they get, they're going to have to go out and push themselves into it. They're going to have to go out and literally take it. And a lot of them aren't being prepared for that journey. Imagine and I'm just giving you one scenario of a thought process that someone who's struggling with depression or struggling with something. We even got to the mental illness part. We're just talking about uh, a mental uh, condition or a diagnosis of depression. And imagine being 11, 12, 13, 15, and being at a point when um, you realize that there are certain people that are just going to automatically get an opportunity before you solely because of the color, the color of their skin and that their track is going to be laid out for them, that you're going to literally, to in order to live the life that they're going to live, you're going to have to literally be three times better than them. You're going to have to do everything better. You're going to have to work three times hard. Imagine being faced with that. And then asking yourself, man, do I even have it in me to have this fight? For the next 70 years, I've got to do this. And not having the right support system around you. See, I was told that early in life, but I had a support system around me. I saw people who did it. I saw people who excelled beyond what they should have been expected. So I was living in a house with a man with a second grade education who had his own business, a second grade education, who spent 30 years as a master welder in a company where he was the only black man, started out as a janitor and worked his way up solely because he refused to be denied. I couldn't I, 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 I couldn't look at that and, 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 and went, because I'm looking at a man that had every reason to fail and wouldn't. And he was around men that was the same way. Not everybody had that opportunity. Not everybody is in the house with a man that can gird them up and be the model for what they're supposed to be. Not every home has got a man that's doing the right thing. Some homes don't have a man at all. Some homes have men who are alcoholics and abusers. Some men have uh, homes where the man is doing everything except feel his responsibility. You have to understand that there's a pressure. And then when you start talking about severe depression, depression isn't simply a sadness. It's 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 a, it's a number of different things that are taking place. It's a chemical imbalance. It is an inability to process uh, information correctly. It is an inability to possibly integrate experiences. And what is happening is it's piling on and it's cascading and it's getting deeper and it's getting darker. And then it becomes to a point where you don't see your way out. And then there are other mental illnesses that can add to that. 
certain dissociative uh, conditions, uh, certain types of schizo uh, conditions. And and, 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 and and these things tend to mar reality. So reality then becomes marred and confused and it doesn't seem, what seems to be for them isn't the true reality, but what you interpret as reality becomes reality. And you react and you, you respond and behave accordingly. And, and, and there's so much more. I think that what we have to understand and what we need to develop a capacity to do is provide the spaces and the resources for people to get help. But we've got to find a way to effectively remove the stigma of needing help. That is something that we've got to do. We've got to stop giving these false ideologies to our boys, too. Black men don't need help. Black men don't cry. Man up. Uh, and all these other things that make men who feel feel weak and they don't want to ask for help. So they sit up and they suffer in silence. They're waking up every day and they're pretending. Instead of saying, you know what, I'm struggling. I, I, I need help. I need someone to talk to. We try to do everything we can at the Odyssey Project. We try to do everything we can at Black Men Lead. We try to do everything we can to be a place of that. But this thing is bigger than the Odyssey Project. It's bigger than Rick Wallace. It's bigger than Black Men Lead. We need to expand. That needs to be a national uh, registry of mental health uh, providers. That needs to be a national registry. We need to make ourselves available. We need to create spaces into the people who are creating spaces. And it doesn't have to be a clinical environment. It needs to be a supportive, non-judgmental environment that can hear. And one thing is, when you're listening to someone who is telling you what's wrong with them, what you need to understand is, don't marginalize what they're telling you because it doesn't seem major to you. Don't go, that's it? That's all? No, you got to understand they're viewing it through a lens different than the lens you're viewing it from. Be a listener and say, hey, I hear you. One of the most powerful phrases when dealing with someone who is under duress is to let them know you hear them because people want to be heard. I hear you. I'm here with you. Try to stay away from phrases like I understand what you're going through because you probably don't. Stay away from phrases that present the idea that they're overreacting to their situation. Again, you're not viewing it from the same lens. if comfortable enough, suggest them seeking more expert or professional help. Stay in touch. If any, uh, if there's any notion that they may be willing to harm themselves, get in touch with professionals, get in touch with family members, call some experts. Don't call the police. Uh, but Definitely. You got to understand, people are going having major issues. They're going into mental crisis. Uh, they can have a psychotic break. They can have a bunch of things going on. And they need to have exposure to the right resources at the right time. 
this is reaching epidemic proportions. And I don't think we understand the gravity of what we're facing and what we're talking about. The fact that it happened to the son of a well-known actress gives it uh, a level of awareness and exposure that the average won't get. But it's happening to our kids every day. We're losing young men and we're losing kids five to 11 years old at a rate that should be scary. We shouldn't ever have to worry about a five or 11 year old taking their lives. But they are black kids from five to 11 are the number one leading statistic in suicide right now. And that age bracket, five to 11 blacks. And black men are definitely starting to make a charge for that spot, which is crazy because we've never been there before. But we're making that spot. We're making a move up that we're, we're spiking. And I'm talking about men before the age of 30. And it happens later on in life as well. We've lost some notable figures to suicide over the last five years. But what I'm talking about is these young males who have yet to live, who have yet to really truly start to e exploit their potential. And we're losing them because we're not taking this epidemic serious, seriously. My challenge to everyone is to be in contact with people who offer resources. Be a resource. You don't have to be a clinical uh, psychologist or a psychiatrist uh, therapist to listen. You need to be aware of what's going on with your friends and your family members. And this isn't just with men either. Listen to people. Uh, don't take what they say uh, so lightly. Um, what I try to do is when I'm dealing with young black males, I try to actually listen to what they're saying. And if there's a complaint, I magnify it because we tend to uh, minimize what we feel because we don't want to sound weak. So if a person tells me I've really been feeling down, it's probably a lot worse than what they're telling because they don't want to sound weak. And so I actually give more gravity to what I'm being told than what I'm actually being told. And I'm hoping that at some point we get to a point where we take this serious, where we start to investing in our black boys and our black men at a rate that allows, and in a way that allows them to develop and to have a space and be willingness. And black men, we're gonna to have to start creating spaces for one another. We're gonna to have to start being willing to be heard and we're gonna to start to be willing to hear. We're gonna to start to be willing to be in spaces where other younger men can come into us and, 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 and lean us and say, man, this is harder than I thought it was gonna be. And we can tell them, yeah, it's hard, but you can make it, I did. You know, you've gotta be able to do that. And, 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 and I think that a part of, with everything I went through, I went through I've, I've gone through dark moments. I know what it's like. But I had C.D. Wallace in my house who went through much darker moments in a much darker time. And I, I saw that he came out. So I know that it's a brighter side. Whenever it gets dark, I know it's a brighter side. I'm always looking for the brighter side. I'm never sinking myself into the darkness of the moment. And that's how I get through it. But there's so many people who don't understand how to do that. My prayers and condolences go out to uh, 
the family of Ian Alexander Jr., starting with Regina King and everyone else who loved him and cared for him and who will be devastated by uh, his death uh, to anyone else who has lost someone to suicide. Um, I'm telling you, I'm tired of uh, having these things come across my death is it, is far too often uh, for babies to be as young as they are and to be deal, to, to be uh, talking about this. It's an unnatural thing for a parent to bury their child. It's devastating. It changes you. And I've seen that far too often. And I think that it is important that we as a race take this seriously. I'm not going to stay on any longer for those of you who came and you've expressed yourself. I want to thank you. Uh, something I want to read. I, I, I really want to read this. Uh, it's from Midnight Green and it says, every youth that we lose makes our generation weaker. Not being able to reach out for help is truly sad. Regina King, her family have my deepest sympathy. I think that says it all. Every youth that we lose makes our generation weaker. And we're losing them in so many ways, it's it's frightening to me. And because I love my people so much, it is really taking a great deal out of me. Um, um, Braids like brandy, uh, I hear you. And my wife and I both are grateful uh, to the Most High that we were able to influence uh, your life. Um, and on that note, I am going to get ready to get off of here. Like I said, you know, I don't know the young man. I don't know Regina King, but I love my people and I see what's happening. And it's something I've been talking about for so long. And it is um, some, we've got work to do. And I'm gonna leave it on that. Look, uh, everybody get out of there and have a great day. Oh, real quickly, don't forget, show your love and support the work we do at the Black Man Lead Project. On that note, look, I'm out of here. Whoa. you. It's interesting. I'm sorry. Uh, Braves like Brandy just admitted that she's 26. Uh, what I would love for you to do uh, is reach out to me directly. And I, I've already uh, took a screenshot of your first uh, comment to share with my wife, because uh, sometimes she feels like the work she's doing, you know, isn't falling and, and having an impact. And I always tell her it is. Uh, but definitely I'm going to share with that, but I'm putting my email, my personal email in here where you can reach me. Uh, it's right there. Uh, you should be able to see it. Uh, if not, it's uh, CEO at Rick Wallace, PhD.link. Reach out to me. I would love to connect with you and see how you're doing. And hopefully everything uh, is going great with you, but definitely thanks for sharing uh, that with us. I'm going to get ready to get out of here. Don't forget, show your love and support the work we're doing at the uh, Black Man Lead Project. The information to show how you can support is in the box. On that note, I'm out of here.